0: and it's saving times and
1: Got on them, and then they went through the ice. I guess it doesn't bother me. Let me. I, I, I think Laura can. You know that guy. I, I haven't talked to him yet. We're. I Jacked him up about <laughs> it. Did
2: you? Okay. I, well, I asked you. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to see what, what his response would yeah. be because yeah. yeah. if it wasn't uh, favorable, <coughs> I because I moved. Okay. Yeah. And I way. asked. Him. No. Um, he, well, he's
3: busy. Yeah, he's he's got,
2: got a contract.
3: Couple drivers cutting a bunch of trees, and
4: they got this the
3: order. They got to be cut by the 31st, because the they attract some down. kind uh, of
1: thing. Really? And if labor keeps them. They just see a sign of the back, and they shook the whole thing. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's much, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we're, so we're 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 still kind of. I was waiting to call him, oh, and I yes. guess I'm gonna stop waiting. Yeah, he uh, um, okay. it's Chambers. He, did I, he said, calls. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I and mean, I mean, I mean, he said numbers, numbers, numbers. Did you look in the basement? He's not coming through. So I got. I guess. Well, the door got left open. I can mean, get you a couple more. you're Well, we'll see what he says. about he fit it in. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be the first right around Come on! Come on. For, for what can
5: money That's both of I didn't even know that because I corrected the address on both of the um,
0: Okay, so we birthday in. it's not in the April because I didn't know which one
5: of you. Okay. It was. It's coming up. Did you have Wait.
0: Well, we kind of knew that you were perfect. Like, i one day older. Oh, yeah? Like, oh, yeah. Mine's a second.
6: You were both sharing stress? <laughs> stress. We act like six, I guess. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
1: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Beautiful, bright Sunday morning. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 6, verse 40. Choir rehearsal tonight. Also resuming our uh, study in John after last week's uh, communion service. Uh, Bring finger foods, of course. Men's Bible study, Tuesday, 10 a.m. at the McLeods. Prayer meeting Wednesday at 7. Andrea Luke will be our texting contact. So put a big picture of her on your refrigerator. (laughs) So She's in charge. You can see her number there. The next co-ed Bible study is, um, I believe that would be this coming Friday, March the 16th, 6.30 at Jared and Andrea's house, and listening to and talking about Bob Duco's series. Uh, corrections for the church directory can be made on the clipboard uh, on the foyer table. Okay, so that's the directly behind me. Um, also remember, uh, it's not on the bulletin, but remember... Uh, Diane Saugel's mom. Uh, I don't really have a current, current update on that, but having some problems. Um, fell, is that? She fell. She, she fell, and then the, the issues that resulted from that. So uh, Also, um, Julie, don't forget her. She's, in, she's on the list on the left there. Um, she's in rehab, so Julie Rose. All right, anything else? Yeah, Sheila.
6: Doug, um, we uh, haven't put it in the bulletin, but I did put it on the, the uh, Pregnancy Center uh, Facebook page. But um, we're going to try to put together a basket again for the silent auction mm. for the Pregnancy Center's uh, fundraising event in April. April, And okay. um, we're going to try to do like a gluten-free basket. So if you want to bring in some things that would pertain to gluten-free, you know, mixes or... Even recipes and stuff. like that, okay. it would be good, and we're going to put it in a basket not, And that to be built by the end of March.
1: So. Okay, so a couple weeks. A couple weeks, pretty quick. So, all right. So, basket for Pregnancy Center fundraiser. All right. I'll direct you to John, the sixth chapter, read verses 28 through 51. Stand together and ask the Lord to bless us as we meet. Ed, would you open for us today?
0: Take your brown hymnal this morning, the brown one, and turn to 92, number 92 in the brown. Number two in the red. And in, uh, in brown, brown, it's ten. Which key do we be like better? Oh, two is four flats. I, I am. Is, is four flats okay? We uh, yeah. haven't found it yet. What what number, George? In the brown? Ten.
7: Yeah.
0: 10. The, the
7: red one.
0: 10 is the same key, so we'll do two in the red. Doesn't matter, it's the same key. It is. You said it had all the words? Red has all the words. All right, and two in the red. Worship the King. Mercy, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you to give a reason for this hymn this
3: morning. It
0: was in your head. It's a good song to be in your head.
1: chapter, and we'll be reading 32 through 43. It's Luke, twenty-third
7: chapter, 32 through 43. Let's stand for the reading of God's word, please. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And we, indeed, justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Today I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word.
0: be seated. We had a, a group of women this weekend go to the women's conference over in Vernon um, and our speaker was Carol Trahan this weekend and she brought us messages um, and I cannot remember the theme of the conference but the ladies are going to come up here and we're going to give a report and then we're going to um, sing a song that we learned this weekend. Come <clears throat> so, Come on. Come on. <laughs> <clears throat>
6: I think we're on uh, spiritual input overload. (laughs) If that's a word or if that's a phrase, that's what I feel like anyway. Uh, Carol Trahan was our speaker this year, and she taught us in four sessions, and she talked to us about having a quiet heart of humility and resting in God's perfect will by knowing his character and submitting to his loving lordship by responding in loving obedience. She also spoke to us of perseverance, and she used the examples of Hannah and the Canaanite woman, um, who I had not thought about in that context to perseverance, uh, but the Canaanite woman who persevered through four negative responses. <laughs> and she asked us if we would have been able to go on after Christ, especially about the comment of the, uh, not giving the, the bread to the dogs, (laughs) or I mean giving the bread to the dogs. And and she continued on through that, and she got her desire because of her faith. And she talked to us about developing a deep intimacy with the Lord. She gave us inspiring quotes, and I'm not going to give them all to you, but wonderful quotes from Elizabeth Elliott and A.W. Tozer and others, I believe, also. And I have to say, I was most impressed by Carol's constant quoting of scriptures um and she didn't have her bible in her hand i know it was there on the pulpit but she walked around on the on the stage and down the aisle and constantly quoting scriptures and i mean not just one verse but uh passages and and chapters and just it was just amazing to me how that that all uh just came out of her just flowed out of her and it was all from memory. And um, my page here. <clears throat> she told us, uh, and she told us that she memorized scripture early on. Um, I, she has a wonderful testimony, and I know all of you probably don't know, but the, most of the women that have been to her conferences before, her husband uh, was involved in immorality. He was a pastor. He committed suicide, and so forth. And she had a lot to overcome. She had two uh, two girls and a boy to raise on her own. And she said that she memorized scripture early on so that she could preach to herself uh, God's truth to keep her from discouragement, depression, uh, sin, and the lies of the enemy. Um, She gave us so much spiritual food that, uh, like I said, I I think I'll be digesting it for many days to come. And I'm sure the other ladies have uh, favorite uh, things about the conference as well. There was just so much that... There's no way we could cover it to really tell you how impressed we were with what she gave us. And the new song that we sang, that was a real blessing, and we're going to share that with you this morning. The food was wonderful. The ladies, of course, were wonderful and hospitable to us as usual. So I really loved the conference. Good
8: morning. Um, it's always a delight and a pleasure to <laughs> sit under Carol's teaching. Um, she she knows the word, which is the most important thing, but she's also an excellent communicator, she's also an excellent relator, and she's a terrific counselor. Um, so all of those things kind of combine to, to make her um, easy to relate to and understand and stay on track with mentally. For four sessions. It's a long, a long time for a teacher to keep teaching and teaching and teaching and for her subjects to stay engaged. So um, there's a lot of things to say, and these ladies probably want to say some things. So I'll just focus on one of the one of the messages that she gave, as Sheila said, was on perseverance. They think it was perseverance, love, humility, and developing a quiet and restful spirit um, were her four main topics. And when she talked about perseverance, she did um, two examples. Sheila has touched on the Canaanite woman. That was extremely um, beautiful and important to me, the way that she fleshed that out. Um, but she also discussed Hannah, and in that moment was like a flashback to last year, watching Mom up there mm-hmm. speaking on the same topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said a lot of the same things, but one of the things that she said um, is how do we learn to wait when we are, when we are um, also being tormented and provoked during our waiting period. Um, and she talked a lot about Penaniah and her impact and her um, role in Hannah's trial. And <clears throat> she talked about Penaniah's name being, um, the meaning of it being quarrel that cutting kind of plant that's at the bottom of the ocean and how that kind of went along with the words that she used in her life to um, torment Hannah and kind of the thought that, you know, if you think that God loves you or favors you was kind of Penania's, um words to Hannah all the time, then look at the evidence. God has given me all these children. He's given you none. Um, and she went on and on with all these different things in Hannah's life, not just her barrenness, that were part of her trial. And then she contrasted with Hannah um, that the first words that we see from her in scripture are her prayer and her prayer to Jehovah's Sabbat, which means the Lord of hosts, the one who's armed for battle, the one who fights for me. And um, she said that this woman, Hannah, understood that God saw and God was hearing everything that was going on. Um, She pointed out about Hannah that her brokenness drove her towards the Lord and not away from him, and that we should be conscious of that in our trials as well. And that even we forget, too, in Hannah's story that after she has that prayer, um, to, and to God and the priest comes in that there she pointed out that there was actually an extended waiting period after that We think that we she went home and she was with her husband and then that God just answered her prayer and she was pregnant Like the next month, but she pointed out that there was there was a waiting period that wasn't it wasn't an instantaneous answer to prayer um, So there was waiting upon waiting perseverance
3: Was the theme of that session? Um, This was only my second year at Women's Conference, and our speaker was obviously um, Carol Trahan, and she spoke on many things, but um, two of the main focuses that I caught were a heart of humility and a quiet heart, and she said that when you uh, are trying to have a quiet heart, you need to accept his perfect will, surrender his sovereign plan, and submit to his loving lordship. Uh, For a humble heart, she gave examples of Hannah who completely surrendered her burden to the Lord. And she gave the other example of the faith of a Canaanite woman who, after four, t- four tries and four negative comments toward her, still persisted to ask Jesus for help. Um, and then sometime after that, she gave an, ex- an acronym for the word trust. T, transfer your focus from your problem or circumstance to the character of God. R, remember God is in control. U, understand he has a divine purpose and it is a good one. S, submit and surrender. T, thank him.
0: One of the um, lessons that stuck out to me was the heart of humility. She started off by saying, humility begins with the understanding of your place. Understand that he is God, you are not. He is the creator, you are the creation. Um, and she explained that the idea of humility is to place ourselves low and understand that we are completely and utterly dependent on the Lord every second of every day. This is a heart of humility. And she gave the example of a baby being weaned from the mother. We only have the mother for a short time to be weaned off of, just like we need to be weaned off of it, off of it. I told her she didn't have to go. Home. Okay. <laughs> Marcy Mar- 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 was um, in the nursery, <laughs> so she didn't think that she was going have to have the ability to come up here and speak to <laughs> you this morning. But I told her that we had relief for her, but uh-huh. she's going to sing with us. So. <laughs> okay.
9: <clears throat> All right. Um, well, obviously, lots of lots and lots of good things. I think um, I appreciated as a teacher how she layered on top of. She started with the foundation of um, a heart that is humble, and she kept going back to it. She said, "This is like the bedrock." Um, of uh, what she taught us on and the fact that we have to understand, like, um, like Rachel just said, our position before God and keep going back to a knowledge and an understanding of God's character. And, a, and she um, kept encouraging us to have a high and exalted view of God. And rather than asking in circumstances, Lord, why? Or, Lord, haven't I been through enough? Which she said, you know, we're all completely human, and so we do this. But we have to ask ourselves rather, um, you know, to meditate on God's character, not on me, myself, and I. But when these questions come, we need to focus um, on God's character and to trust in him. So I appreciated um, that constant reference back to, and she actually uh, referenced a a family friend that she said that, that says, well, why not me? why not me? Lord, why? Why not me really should be the response. Um, she knows God's character so well, which is what she'll already mentioned. She just delivers passages of scripture about God and who he is. Um, in Hannah's prayer in chapter 2, she she went through her prayer, and how, how could Hannah do what she did? How could she persevere? It's because she knew God's character, and she went back to God's character. Um, she referenced the names of God, <laughs> One has already been mentioned, Lord, or Jehovah Sabaoth, the, um, the Lord of hosts, the one who fights for me. She referenced El Shaddai, um, which is the tender name of God, the, that means the breasted one, like a winged, tucking under, you know, protective quality of God. Um, she referenced that the Canaanite woman called Jesus Ad- Adonai, which means Master, Lord. She recognized that she deserved nothing from Jesus, and she persisted through four painful negative responses to ask him for something that she did not deserve because she understood his character. Um, she just went, took us back, back again and again to the Lord's character and to his unfailing love, and so then encouraged us at the end to um, respond to him in loving worship. And uh, she took us to the Lord's Prayer and how it begins and it ends with a focus on God's holiness, his sovereignty, his person. And that's where it begins and that's where it also needs to end. Um, Very convicting. She had many, many good things to say. Um, it It was a time of spiritual refreshment.
0: Um, in my notes, um, I have been all bold at any cost. And a lot of her prayer prayer life was followed by at any cost. Lord, save my son at any cost. And that really uh, convicted me. Um, Because we are supposed to follow God passionately and wholeheartedly and without fear because perfect love casts out that fear and um she her prayer was for for lots of things was at any cost and that deeply um convicted me um she says I'm sorry um and you need to understand the priority of your devotional life you have to have love because if it's you have to have it out of love. Your devotional life has to be out of love because if it's just out of duty, you will not last in it. Putting um, And putting your ministry above the love for the master is making an idol out of that ministry. Um, there's also, um, Lord, allow me to passionately pursue you that I may know you. Give me the hunger and thirst to know you more. She just There's just so many good things that my brain does not take notes well, and that's just the all the examples that these ladies gave. We just had a, a wonderful time, and the teaching was just excellent. If you did not get to go this year, I encourage you wholeheartedly to go next year because it's just a wonderful time to be together as, as Christian women and to, to study together and to learn together.
5: It's true, I had nothing prepared. I was the driver of uh, this... Uh, event, and um, I'll tell you what, we have some amazing women that stand behind me are pretty amazing, and um, we had a really good time together. Um, This is the second time I've heard Carol Trahan speak. She's very articulate. She's very clear. Um, Very easy to follow. Um, She's an amazing woman. Has an awesome testimony. It's just out of this world. It's just something else, but um, I needed to hear these, all four, all four of these sessions um, were, for me personally, I needed to hear all four, and um, I, can't, I don't have a favorite or anything like that, but um, it was just a really great experience, and um, God is good, so... <clears throat>
2: In time, those messages the ladies heard will be up on our SGBA website, sgba.net, .net. And just look under Women's Retreat, and you'll have all those messages from Carol Trahan. Our text this morning is Luke 23. Luke 23. Last week, we began an Easter series on the seven words or sayings of Christ from the cross, and we dealt with the word of forgiveness Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This was a prayer which fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which taught that the Messiah, and I'm reading scripture, would make intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53. And his own teaching was, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, verse 44. In this we learn God's evaluation of sin and its consequences. The Old Testament system only made provision for forgiveness of unintentional sins, never for deliberate sins. But even sins of ignorance are still sins. They still need to be forgiven by God. Because ignorance is not innocence. So there must be an atonement. We looked at the blindness of sin. Jesus' executioners never saw, they never saw the enormity of their sin. They didn't know what they were doing. By what, we don't mean the torturous way they Eliminated Jesus, but what they were actually involved in, killing the Son of God. Primary need of sinful man is forgiveness, and so that's what we have from Christ's words. Father, forgive them. None of us are fit for God. God makes us fit through the righteousness of his Son, whose death atoned. For the sins of his people, allowing God to be just and justifier of all that are saved. Well, today we come to the second saying of Christ from the cross, the word of salvation. You'll find it in verse 48, Luke 23. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. As we come, let's ask the Lord's enablement. Father, send your spirit upon us to teach us of your word. These words that we're learning from the cross, they reach to us from the centuries past. They speak to our hearts today like they spoke back then. The word of salvation, you came to bring the message of salvation. You came to fulfill the actual atonement that would be required for salvation. We pray that you'll bless the truths of these scriptures to our heart. Help us to come to Christ if we do not know you. May you be pleased in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking today at the word of salvation from the teachings of Christ. Actually, these are the words that he, he said while he was dying uh, on the cross. I want you to consider with me some of the events which surrounded this statement. Look, verse 32 and following tells us that as part of the decision of Pilate the governor on this fateful day two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him, the him is Jesus, verse 26, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, King James version says Calvary. Calvary is Latin from Calvaria, meaning skull, from cava, meaning a scalp with no hair. Then, hence the skull. It's where we get the Word. Well, Calvary sounds so sweet, doesn't it? We have songs uh, about Calvary covers it all and so forth. But it means the skull, the place of execution. There they crucified Jesus along with the criminals. It says one of his one on his right, the other on his left. Matthew 27, verse thirty-eight says that they were two robbers That's the kind of criminals that they were. Now, there was nothing accidental about Jesus, God's son, being crucified amidst two criminals. There's nothing accidental, really, in a world that is controlled by a sovereign God. From eternity, God had determined how his son would die, with whom he would die, under what circumstances he would die. Nothing was left to the capricious acts of men or to the whims of chance. These things just didn't happen. They were planned. And so Isaiah prophesied of the suffering servant of God. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah 53 verse 12. That is, he was counted or recognized as a criminal... With criminals. And after Peter and John were arrested by the Jewish authorities and commanded not to teach any more in Jesus' name, when they released, they gathered together and the brethren prayed, the church of Jerusalem prayed. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Acts 4, verse 27, verse 28. Or in his sermon to the people, Peter said essentially the same thing when he preached. This man, that is Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Acts 2, verse 23. So, no accident here. No victim of mob rule. No travesty of unforeseen injustice. No. God's power, God's will were displayed in the son's execution. He's not a victim in that sense. God set purpose with full knowledge, handed Jesus over to those who crucified him. So to the circumstances surrounding Jesus' ignoble death were orchestrated by God, including the fact that his dying companions would be two criminals of the state. I mean, that has significance. I suppose the foremost question which comes to our minds is why? 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 Why would God ordain that His Holy Son be crucified with two wicked criminals? Well, you need to know that God never acts arbitrarily. That is, He never acts without a reason for something that He's doing. His dying companions demonstrated how unfathomable was the depth of His shame. I mean, if we think Jesus' birth was lowly, and it was, being born in a stable, cradled in a feed trough, used by barn animals, how much more lowly was his death, nailed on a cross as a criminal between two other criminals? Lowly, 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 lowly. Does not this position in his death illustrate What position he took as our substitute, taking on our due as sinners, guilty as lawbreakers of the law of God, condemned under its penalty. The Bible, you see, calls all unbelievers God's enemies, Romans 5, verse 10. Enemies, what do you do with enemies? Well, they're arrested or they're executed. And then we dare not forget that Jesus had an appointment with this thief to whom he extended his salvation. As surely, as Jesus once told his disciples that he had to go through Samaria, remember that, John 4, in his travels to Galilee, why did he have to go through Samaria? Well, he knew in his mind that there would be an encounter with the woman at the well, who needed to learn of him as Savior. And so God had arranged for his son to bring salvation to one who would be his companion in dying. He had to go through Samaria because there was a woman at the well. And he had to be crucified because there was a robber on an adjoining cross that needed salvation. Now, in all of this, we learn some very important lessons about the salvation of God. Let's take a look at some of these. Number one, that God is sovereign in the dispensing of his salvation. We have here in our text the fact that two criminals were crucified with Christ, one of three, and so these two were equally near to Christ. Both of them were eye and ear witnesses to all which transpired in those six long, agonizing hours. Both were notoriously wicked and guilty of the crime of robbery. Both were in the same agony of suffering. Both were in the process of dying. And both of them were guilty of sins against God And not just sins against the state, for God had said in his word, Thou shalt not steal, Exodus 20, verse 15. And he said that long before Rome or any earthly government had incorporated such morality into its judicial system.